Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and all my venture crypto capitalist friends out there. Welcome to ICO 101, a crypto 101 podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Paul. Gives them a satisfaction they couldn't get any other way. At ICO 101, we look at upcoming coin and token offerings from the average person's perspective. That is, you and me. We preview pre- and post-sale offerings while engaging with the leaders of these companies in order to help you make an informed decision on how you want to participate in those offerings. ICO 101 Podcast is on the Crypto 101 Podcast feed, so please find Crypto 101 Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and CastBox. Leave a positive rating and subscribe to it. It helps us stay at the top charts. Visit our website at ICO101Podcast.com. I'm very active on Twitter, so please follow me there at Sup Aaron Paul. And while you're at it, follow the show at ICO101Podcast. Send me all the private messages you want. I love getting them and try to respond as fast as I can. And finally, this interview is sponsored, so I feel obligated to give you my personal integrity disclaimer. I do not interview any different whether an episode is sponsored or unsponsored. We are always looking out for you, the average consumer, and my interviews will always reflect that. Please don't forget that I am not a professional investment institution, bank, lawyer, or accountant. I'm not offering any legal, accounting, or financial advice, so please make sure you listen, take notes, research, and make your own informed decisions when deciding to invest. In this week's episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with J.P. Tobiensen of ThorChain. JP is a researcher and sits on the governance board of ThorChain. He is a super fired up, passionate guy, really smart, and does an amazing job of painting a picture of what decentralized exchanges will look like in the future. A decentralized future powered by ThorChain. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening. JP Toby Ensign of Thorchain, welcome to ICO 101. Hey, thanks for having me on. Really good to finally connect. Tell the listeners about yourself, who you are, what your background was, and what were you doing before Thorchain? Sure thing. So I studied aeronautical engineering at university, and then I went on to do 10 years in the Royal Australian Air Force as a military pilot. And about five years ago, I got into Bitcoin um, just on their side. And I first started trading Bitcoin, altcoins, Litecoin. And then two years ago, I got my head into Ethereum. Um, about 18 months ago, I was helped out with the Ethereum community here in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And 18 months ago, I decided to embark into the blockchain world with a blockchain startup. Um, we did a token sale last year called Kanyo. It's a decentralized service place with a decentralized autonomous organization powering it and a few other cool features you know, such as decentralized infrastructure for the economy. And then... Earlier this year, um, still also running that blockchain project, um, also running a, a venture studio here in Melbourne to help incubate other blockchain projects. Mm-hmm. We got involved in the Binance Dexathon, um, which is a hackathon to do uh, essentially build DEXs. And mm-hmm. out of that came essentially the idea around uh, ThorChain, what we're here to today. So I guess my day job, I help manage uh, blockchain projects such as Kenya. Um, I advise other projects and for the last nine months been active with the ThorChain project researching, designing the structure around it, the strategy, pulling the, together the team. And now we, uh, yeah, we're just in the build phase for it. What hooked you into the blockchain space? And did you have a tech background? I didn't have a tech background. I had an engineering background. Like I said, I was a part for 10 years, but I exited that. But more importantly, I gravitated towards the autonomy and the liberty and the freedom that can be, and the self-sovereignty that can be realized through blockchain. Because mm-hmm. all of what I just said, 
was not available to me in the 10 years that I was in the military. Um, and that kind of dichotomy between those two mentalities really accelerated my desire to get into an industry that empowers and enables and makes people add value to the world rather than take value from the world. Um, sure. So that's that's my pivot um, into value creation. And certainly blockchain and decentralized technologies are very empowering, very enabling, and very new. Mm. And nobody you know has any idea what's going on. There's a massive vacuum for knowledge and understanding of that of the space. And that's where I've kind of pushed myself into to add to the value creation and, and add to the information distribution of what this space is and what, what can be done. Awesome. How did you guys come up with the name, man? Is it, is it the so, Marvel comic book character or what? Shoot me straight. So, it has to be. Yeah. So the, after the, the we ran a hackathon here in Melbourne about nine months ago, like I said, and at the output of the weekend was a really strong case for a DEX protocol. And the, the slogan was a lightning fast decentralized exchange protocol because the main issues that we saw was performance, usability, and compatibility of, of it, right. of current decentralized exchanges. So the tagline was lightning fast. And from the word lightning, we kind of gravitated towards Thor, the Norse gods of thunder and lightning, and then really pushed us into the brand of Norse cosmology. There's lots of characters to lean on, lots of brand. So that's where the team pushed into. And largely, it's really identifying brand because what we notice with other blockchain projects is often the brand is forgotten about sure. and the brand is secondary. And this, the team wanted to really drive a strong, identifiable, familiar brand that can be quite easy related to. So that, that's the name. Before we get into ThorChain, we're a 101. We're Crypto 101. We're the average consumer's guide to cryptocurrency. And we want to start from the very beginning, right? And I want to talk about exchanges first. Let's go into like Exchange 101. Sure. An exchange is essentially a market creation platform that brings together buyers and sellers of assets. So like a marketplace where people buy and sell tomatoes and, and apples could also be an exchange. But the exchanges that we're talking about here are around digital assets, Bitcoin, Litecoin, sure. altcoins, ERC20, etc. Et mm -hmm. So they are designed for both users who want to swap assets, traders who want to arbitrage markets and who are constantly seeking profits and are not really loyal to any token or coin, just apart from profit making. Uh, and then finally, market makers who want to create liquidity for uh, like a wider market. So they're running like a decentralized application or like a an investment scheme or the running trading desk, they need to access liquidity to move around their assets. So that's that's what centralized exchanges do. They're fundamentally just bringing together buyers and sellers of digital assets. Now, the thing is, though, although the digital assets are trustless assets and require no middleman to maintain the ledger, we only have centralized exchanges today with the performance and usability and reliability to exchange assets on. So for the privilege of giving up your identity and your information, mm -hmm. you get to trade your digital assets on a MySchool database right. run by a centralized exchange. And that is the hypocrisy or the inefficiency or the immaturity that we experience today. Why should you trade your trustless assets on a trusted platform? Mm -hmm. So then we turn to decentralized exchanges. Let's trade trustlessly the whole time. But what are the problems of decentralized exchanges the entire today? Well, they're not very usable. They actually aren't really trustless. If you look at what happened with IDEX, which is essentially a hybrid exchange where 
you get to deposit your assets in a smart contract, but then you, when you assign trades, they have a server and a backend that's scanning the blockchain and picking up your trades and then creating an order book around that. So it's a hybrid exchange. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not really trustless. And although it does improve performance over centralized exchanges and you still have custody of your funds. But the last point is compatibility. Give me one single exchange, decentralized exchange today that where you can trustlessly trade Bitcoin and Monero. Some would say that crypto bridge allow you to do this, but the problem is the bridges between Bitcoin and Monero and other coins are actually trusted or semi-trusted or have strong federations guarding those bridges. So the ideal digital asset exchange, and I really don't care whether you call it centralized or decentralized, but I'm just saying it's the ideal one, mm-hmm. should be one that is trustless, mm-hmm. so it doesn't involve any trusted parties, Sure. self-sovereign, so yes. you, you have control of your assets all the time. But more importantly, it needs to be compatible. It needs to have bridges across every single other asset, Bitcoin, Litecoin, Monero, Ethereum, et cetera, et cetera. And those bridges must not rely on strong federations or semi-permissioned um, setups to guard those bridges. And that's what's currently missing. And that's what we're trying to build. A true decentralized exchange is trustless, permissionless, and incentivizes users to use it. And that last bit is important because if a DEX is charging you a maker and take a fee, you then need to ask who's getting paid. Mm-hmm. Because if the DEX is taking that fee and then reapplying it for their own profit-seeking agenda, then it's not really decentralized. A true permissionless DEX should return any value creation back to the users who are maintaining the exchange, the validators producing the blocks, the bridge nodes who are guarding the bridges, the liquidity stakers who are offering the liquidity to be used by the exchange, et cetera, et cetera. You mentioned what decentralized exchanges are today is a problem. So compare and contrast what the problem is today to what you guys are doing. We should agree that centralized exchanges uh, have no place in this industry. If you need to trust an entity look after your assets, it's just it's just wrong. It doesn't fit into this industry. Mm-hmm. However, the DEXs of today, and that's basically all of them, do not offer you a 100% trustless, permissionless trading environment that incentivizes your participation and allows you to trade in a performant and usable way. Example. There is no examples of that today. The ideal DEX does not exist. The ideal DEX is what we're trying to build. The three fundamental cornerstones that you sent to me and you said you wanted to talk about was permissionless access to create a free, fair, and highly liquid market. Why don't you tell the listeners why liquidity even matters? Yes, so liquidity is essentially a property of an exchange whereby you can always sell and always buy. So if I went to a marketplace and I wanted to buy apples, but there were no apples to be bought, then there is no liquidity in those apples. What would be better is if there was a bucket of apples and the rule is simply you can put in your money and get out exactly the number of apples that you should be buying at any such. That means that there is always liquidity in apples to buy. So when it comes to a digital asset exchange, there always needs to be a buy side group of assets and a sell side group of assets so that any trader or user or any agent can come to the exchange, swap or trade their assets and leave 
without having to wait for someone else to match them. So if I go and jump on Binance today, there are heaps of buy orders and there are heaps of sell orders for the Bitcoin ETH pair. So I can access liquidity unless, of course, I have $100 million worth of Bitcoin to sell. Then there is no way Binance will have the liquidity for me to sell $100 million worth of Bitcoin. So I need to go to other markets, OTC, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem is, is that currently in on centralized exchanges, only the people who are adding liquidity are people who want to trade right. at some point. So that's why exchanges call into task market makers and incentivize traders. So market makers constantly build buy and sell side to add liquidity to the market, but they don't care what it's bought at or what it's sell at. They would just keep maintaining the liquidity between those two assets. Market makers are incentivized by charging fees and attempting to arbitrage markets with the information they have access to. What is desirable instead is to let anyone stake their assets in a liquidity pools, which directly translates to the buy side and the sell side of an exchange, but still retain full control of their assets. And any volume over that pair creates a fee, which is not paid to the exchange, but is paid back to whoever was contributing that liquidity. There are other liquidity networks which try to incentivize it. Mm-hmm. But what is missing is the ability for anyone to add their own assets onto a market and know that they will get paid based on every single trade that goes over their assets. That's missing. And basically, if we can create that, then anyone who has assets tied in wallets or tied up on exchanges, that latent liquidity can be unlocked. So right now today, there's you know $100 billion worth of Bitcoin and 5 or $10 billion gets traded every single day. Mm-hmm. But I would say that 5 to 10% of the Bitcoin supply does not get traded. Something like 1% to 2% of the Bitcoin supply gets traded every day maybe even less, depending on the reports of fake volume, if it's correct or not. What would be better is if 30% of all Bitcoin supply was in a deep liquidity pool that anyone could have access to trustlessly and for it to be traded. That is missing today. So your guys' structure is ThorChain is a protocol and AsgardX is going to be your guys' decentralized exchange umbrella or under that the example of what other decentralized exchanges should be is that correct how i understand it correct so thoughtchain is a protocol that can power any exchange the future centralized exchange with kyc the future securities token exchange with whitelisting the future dex the future market maker the future dat platform can all be powered by a single digital asset trading protocol that's laser focused at doing nothing but trading digital assets and provisioning liquidity and incentivizing that. Mm-hmm. However, if there can be hundreds of exchanges, and we think that all exchanges today should shut down their insecure and legacy infrastructure, their MySQL databases, instead redeploy and push their user base onto a ThorChain-powered exchange, which they can build themselves practically overnight by spooling up a front end. How do you get And they will that? access... That, yeah, that's part of the go-to-market strategy. But what I must highlight is, although Asgardix is the first proof-of-concept exchange to be powered by ThorChain and its underlying protocol and its liquidity, the team are not going to be running an exchange. The team will run the protocol and build the protocol, but will have no, no need or no agenda to run an exchange. Instead, anyone in the community should run their own exchange. And it's not going to be hard because 
you don't need to run the backend infrastructure. You don't need to provision liquidity. You don't need to do any user account management. You simply need to host a front end and you can charge your, your own maker and take a fees over the top hmm. um, to incentivize building these exchanges. But the entire backend infrastructure now becomes a ThorChain protocol and you get access to the same liquidity, the same assets, the same features that every other exchange powered by ThorChain is. So although Asgardix is a proof of concept exchange, the team do not intend to be running exchange and will probably demonstrate it, mm-hmm. show the world how you can run a DEX on ThorChain, and then merely shut it down and wait for someone else to run an exchange in a compliant way and make user accounts and et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, that's, that's the difference there. One of the things that I wanted to touch on, you guys had a, a, a bunch of stuff on your website. Man, I, I could have chased that rabbit for a really, really long time. But I wanted to highlight the Bifrost protocol. Yeah. What is it? Why is that the life of ThorChain? The Bifrost protocol is one of the most interesting aspects of ThorChain. It is the first trust-minimized, permissionless bridging protocol between two chains. It is built for ThorChain but it can be redeployed on any other two chains. The Bifrost protocol does not transfer data. It simply allows a two-way peg of assets across, say, Bitcoin to ThorChain or Monero to ThorChain or Ethereum to ThorChain. But the characteristics of it is that it's permissionless. So the signatories to the bridge can rotate out, in and out, all day long, and it does not affect the assets themselves. Because the distinction here is all bridges currently require strong federation or a fixed static set of signatories in order to maintain the two-way peg or it's not even two-way it's a one-way peg and that means for example i want to uh, highlight the liquid sidechain built by blockstream which connects the bitcoin block blockchain to the liquid bitcoin blockchain mm-hmm. it's basically a sidechain there are 15 signatories static signatories maintained by blockstream and 14 other exchanges that guard the bridge wallets and there is only one and make sure that the number of bitcoin locked up in the bridge equals the number of bitcoin circulating on the liquid sidechain but if any of those well if all those signatories decided to wake up one day and steal your bitcoin then your bitcoin's gone it can never be recovered instead what is more desirable is a bridging protocol that has the correct economic incentives to allow you to choose and observe the security characteristics of bridges and know that you can enter and exit on any bridge in any way. So if you observe the security characteristics of a Bifrost bridge decreasing, as in the signatories are decreasing, but the assets are rising, which means the opportunity to steal assets is increasing, then you can elect to exit on a different bridge or exit on even a different chain, like enter via Bitcoin, exit via Monero. But at this entire time, the fungibility of all assets, that is, if there is a thousand Bitcoin on the Bitcoin side, there is a thousand Bitcoin represented on the ThoughtChain side. Mm-hmm. The fungibility of all assets is maintained the entire time. And what's the significance of the Flash network? Ah, so the Flash network is essentially a layer two payment channel network. So the Lightning Network today allows you to send Bitcoin via time-lock contracts and two out of two multi-stigs. The Raiden Network sits on top of Ethereum. Uh, The Bolt Network is another network that has privacy characteristics, and that's promoted by the Zcash team. The Flash, the difference is if you send me 0.1 or a million Satoshis in a Lightning channel that you've opened to me, 
and but you want to send it to your friend Bob, and so you need to pass it via me to Bob. Mm-hmm. Then I take your million satoshis, and then I send Bob a million satoshis in another channel. Now I've just done a one-to-one conversion of those two assets: a million in equals a million out. But in the Flash network, the nodes we call them liquidity nodes or Mjolnir, named after Thor's hammer, they are anchored to the price feeds of the underlying Thor chain, which means they know trustlessly the prices of all assets. So the, they know the price between Bitcoin and Ethereum, let's say one to 20. So on the Flash network, if you sent me a million Satoshis via a Bitcoin to ETH payment channel, then the node that you've paid via will do a trustless swap at the correct market price into Ethereum. So in this case, it'd be a million Satoshis worth of Ethereum and send that to Bob. So in one atomic transaction, you have been able to send your friend Ether with Bitcoin at a price that is resistant to manipulation and trustless. And that has never been done before. And we're very keen to do it. Can you demonstrate that now? Like if somebody came to your office, if somebody came to your office is like, (laughs) come on, man, show me, show me what you got. (laughs) We are are building right now. We've been uh, researching for the last six months, but the end result, and you might go to go, why do I need this awesome flash network? Well, I go, well, in five years' time, you could stroll up to a bar in Melbourne and the bar says, I only want to get paid in Melbourne coin. And you go, bro, I've only got Aaron coin. And you go, well, I can't pay in Melbourne coin. And they go, well, I can't see an Aaron coin. You jump on the Flash network. You can instantly send them Aaron coin for them to receive Melbourne coin at a trustless market price that you know that nobody can manipulate. Because if they were trying to manipulate or change the price, then they would expose themselves to economic loss. That is the power of the Flash Network. So are you guys going to have a protocol for mobile wallets that other people can build off of? The community and part of the grant funding from the foundation will fund a wallet that can do this. But basically, any wallet can hook in to the infrastructure layer and request these or process these transactions. So ideally, that you don't even need Flash Network-specific wallets. You, there will be some form of bridging protocol over the Flash Network that allows any wallet to be compatible with the Flash Network. So you can waltz into any establishment in the world and pay in any coin that you want and then the merchant to receive in any coin that they want and everyone to know that it happens basically instantly and trustlessly. That's that's powerful stuff. That's a beautiful world, man. I can't wait till I can use my freaking mobile wallet at places. I really can't. I hope it's sooner than five years. Yeah, <laughs> same here. Three years. I don't know. It's going to take a while to build this infrastructure. I'm hopeful. If there's an existing decentralized exchange out there right now and they say, look, the Thor chain is the bomb. I want to integrate that within what we're doing. Can they do that? Or do you just recommend? I mean, I know you said earlier, hey, man, just close the door and open up a new one. But how can they plug in in parallel with your protocols? So a DEX power, let's say a DEX today is simply a user interface, a web interface. And we're talking about, say, IDAX here, or IDAX, or even EtherDelta. Mm-hmm. EtherDelta was just simply a web interface with the backend being the Ethereum blockchain and a set of smart contracts. In the same way, a DEX powered by ThoughtChain will have a web interface that allows people to navigate to it, observe the market, interact with their wallets, make trades, swaps, etc. But the underlying backend is powered by the ThoughtChain protocol. And... They don't need to run any backend infrastructure, any multi-sig cold wallets and security procedures and account management and uh, support staff and developers. 
they simply deploy a web interface over the top that hooks into the ThorChain protocol and away they go. And they can now just focus on the user experience, the support, so onboarding new users, the marketing, and never ever have to worry about the security, the liquidity, the listing of assets. Gone are the days of paying to list assets anymore. You, anyone can list anything that they want, as well as you know rolling out new features like margin trading, market orders, advanced order types, etc., etc. All of that is taken care of with ThorChain protocol. So a larger exchange will want to access different revenue streams. And so your next question is, well, how are they going to get paid? I mean, if they're going to run support staff and op staff, who's paying them? Well, a unique feature of ThorChain is place a lot of emphasis on the economic incentives. So a developer who wants to now run an exchange on ThorChain should be getting paid. So there is an optional field for them to add a small trade fee on any transactions processed from their web interface. So all things being equal, if there were 100 different DEXs powered by ThorChain, then everyone would go to the DEX that had the best user experience, the best support, the best marketing, and the lowest fee, or a fee that matched that value creation. If they charge too much, then users just go to simply an exchange. For a much bigger player, they have the opportunity to run a ThorChain validator. A ThorChain validator gets to produce the blocks for the blockchain, as well as running the bridge nodes to bridge to the external blockchains like Ethereum, Monero, Ethereum, uh, Bitcoin, etc. And they get paid block rewards. They get paid exit fees for the bridge nodes, as well as uh, taking any uh, transactional trade fees processed by the validators. But, and that's another, another step, yeah. Hey everyone, this is Matthew Aaron. Sorry to interrupt. I just had to pop in and tell everybody about Crypto 101's Johnny's Guide to Cryptocurrency is now available for sale. Pick up a copy on anywhere you enjoy buying your books from. Amazon, Kindle Paperback, Barnes & Noble, Nook & Paperback, iTunes, eBook, and much more. You can even... Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the Ufi Video Lock, a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all in one. That's right, three in one for triple the security. It's easy to install. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It gives you keyless entry, so no more fumbling your keys when you have your hands full coming back from the grocery store. No more worry about the kids losing a house key. No more worry about a guest losing the house key or forgetting the passcode on your door. And for Airbnbers, it's a no-brainer as you can change the passcode at will between renters. It has available fingerprint recognition and it has AI self-learning chips. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You will have no anxiety with the battery charging. It is a rechargeable battery and it lasts around four months. But don't worry, when it's low, it'll give you plenty of weeks notice. And also, it always comes with a physical key as a backup. There's no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee to get your backup recording. Recordings, they're always recorded locally and you will always have access. Customer support for the Eufy Video Lock is 24-7, so you don't have to worry about any issues you have, and it comes with an 18-month warranty. What I love about this product is it is truly all-in-one. With the three-in-one, you don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Eufy Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success pick it up using bitcoin ethereum or litecoin find the link in the description below and pick up your copy today you talked about the user interface thorchain is going to be the back end of it right and you said that if somebody wants to deploy the thorchain then they can but in there they would only have to focus on the user interface are you guys going to come out with a, a user interface packet? <laughs> Something that, I mean, user interface sucks right now, man. <laughs> Across the yeah, board, absolutely. for the most part. How, so how can strategy, you help that, man? Yeah, so we are building user interface and we will deploy it on test networks. But like I said, we never want to be in a position where we run a live exchange because uh, what we're trying to do is allow any any existing exchange to redeploy on ThorChain. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to be in the exchange business. We want to be in the protocol business. But don't you kind of have to be in the exchange business for at, at least on the get just to prove, the, A, to prove the concept, B, to really you're going to have to lead the way. If you're leading the way, how can you how can you lead without leading? It all comes down to the computer science and maths and the underlying economic incentives. It does need robust real-world testing to prove out the security guarantees and the economic incentives. And like, for example... You know, will it survive a hack, you know, a validator war? Will it survive one third of the validators going rogue, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. So it does need to be robustly tested. And the team are building an exchange and a user interface to demonstrate this. And we will make it public available on on test nets. And with the correct legal structure, we will deploy it on mainnet with real assets. But any of those efforts will be temporary because. And like we'll refer to our our exchange partners, so we're onboarding exchanges slowly, one by one, mm-hmm. and we will work with them to redeploy their exchange on Thorchain, so and they can keep doing what they do best: the license, the regulator, they got users, they got marketing budgets, they got op staff, etc. They can run the exchange. We'll simply build the back end and continue to and do that. But yes, we will put a lot of engineering effort behind designing an awesome exchange. But yeah, that's, I, want an, that's I, want, I want an awesome user interface on my desktop and <laughs> I want a kick ass mobile wallet. That's what I want, bro. And I want any yeah. merchant to hold out their phone and for me to pay them. And it's just takes two seconds. That's what I want. 
Yeah. Well, we will we will build it, uh, but it's going to require a lot of effort and a lot of uh, parties. But we will build it. Yeah. Sure. I know. Uh, look, dude, the SEC, the United States SEC, just proved they can reach out and touch decentralized exchanges. What yep. are the implications of that for Thorchain? So the SEC didn't really reach out and touch the DEX. They reached out and touched the person who ran the DEX. Yes. Now, Ether Delta was not decentralized. Yes, there was a smart contract which allowed you to deposit and sign trades. But the passing of those trades, the representation of those trades on an order book, the listing or the representation of assets even, the tickers, the names on Ether Delta was done via Zachary's server, his back end. So it was trivial for the SEC to realize that DAO tokens and everyone thinks that the DAO tokens were the security that the SEC referred to were being traded on Ether Delta. And EtherDelta.com was run by Zachary and his infrastructure. And like I said, the only reason why Ether Delta attracted the ire of the SEC was that it allowed security tokens, which was the DAO, which is already declared by the SEC as a security, mm-hmm. to be traded by everyone. And that got their attention. Wow. So, and secondly was the fact that it was actually centralized. There was a person there. So for the ThorChain team, one, they will be very careful at the first whilst bootstrapping and there are centralized entities that can be a point of failure. Yeah. Uh, there will be very, very conservative listing of assets, trade limits at first. We'll work with exchange partners so they can redeploy their exchange over the top and those exchange partners will be completely regulated and licensed and, and will do the right thing. But until ThorChain is sufficiently decentralized so that there is no figurehead, there is no core team, there is a permissionless access to all those assets. And then we intend to just kind of walk away from the project and it should be, we're talking three to five years down the track. Sure. If we're very careful the entire three to five years of whitelisting assets, setting trade limits where trade limits need to be applied, et cetera, et cetera. In three to five years time, we should be able to walk away and the validators who are running the network, there should be hundreds, thousands. We intend with the sharding protocol that we're trying to build there for to be 100,000 validators, which is an ambitious effort, but you know, it's not unforeseeable. If there's 100,000 validators run by 100,000 different entities all over the world, and it's entirely permissionless with high validator churn, then it should be up to those validators to decide the future of the protocol and where it wants to push it. And it won't be up to, you know, it won't be up to us. That's what we're trying to build, for sure. I believe that all information and value transfer should be entirely unencumbered. And when you try and censor information and restrict value transfer, you create oppression and you create tension and you create opportunities for people to take advantage of each other. So rather than oppressing people's access to information or their ability to transfer value, the opposite needs to occur. It needs to be completely unencumbered. And like, for example, as much as I hate the Venezuelan regime, an entire sovereign country not being able to access their gold stuck in England right now is not legit. Mm. Iran, as much as you can say about terrorism and the sponsoring of ISIS sleeper cells, such, such, the fact that Iran has been disconnected from the USD global settlement financial system is wrong. And there's just case after case of this. Instead, that kind of attitude and that kind of censorship breeds, it breeds the foundation of an attitude to start tension, start wars, and start international conflict. And this is what we need to avoid. We, I mean, look at people who live in North Korea. They are brainwashed by the ruler to think that he's the best person in the world, or such, such, and North Korea is living in this kind of fantasy world. Give all these people access to the internet. Give them iPhones. Give them Wikipedia. Give them Google. 
and they'll quickly change their mind about the situation they are in and the oppression will be lifted. I mean, it sounds like it can never be achieved, but if we change our mentality towards information and value transfer, then I think we can equalize the world and equalize the disparity and equalize the opportunities for people to take advantage of each other. So that's why I'm passionate about unencumbered value transfer. Thank you. Talk. <laughs> I'm fired up for your passion. Make no mistake. I, I think I, I understand. And, you know, it's, it's clearly you're passionate and you're passionate about what you guys are going to do and how you see the future and what you want to see with decentralized exchanges and how governance should look which really helps me segue into the next question to talk about the rune token. So when you guys talked about, when you talked about, you don't really want to be a figurehead, you're the researcher, right? And we were going to talk about the governance anyways. How does it work with the rune token raise? So one, how how are you guys raising money? How does the foundation structure work? How does it work? Sure. So there does need to be a bit of direction and coordination applied to the building of the protocol in its very early and vulnerable states yes. where coordinated centralized action is valuable. So the governance of this project is interesting because we see it as only an intermediary step. It's organized and centrally coordinated via a not-for-profit in Switzerland, but that not-for-profit don't hire anyone. Instead, the not-for-profit take the assets that have been donated in and cut them up in a number of competitive grants. And anyone in the world, any developing studio or marketer or PR firm or community manager can apply for these competitive development grants to then build a protocol and who are just paid to build to build those small sections of, of tasks at hand. Who decides, and they are who decides how they who decides how they win the grants? Uh, it is decided by the foundation. So that's the centralized aspect to it. But the foundation just wants the protocol to be built, but it is not building the protocol. Instead, it's calling upon the decentralized global team to build and win those grants. And that is how, until a point in time, until the protocol is live and the validators are being launched. And then the validators will then be participants in an elaborate on-chain governance mechanism, which ThorChain borrows Cosmos's on-chain governance protocol. So that in future, the foundation will step aside, it's fulfilled its role, it's launched the protocol, it's built 80% of the protocol, and then the validators will then take over and will fund the remaining and vote on how the rest of the protocol gets built. There is an ability for uh, bounties to be put up at the protocol level and voted on and value to be locked in to bounties that any developer can submit solutions for and win those bounties. So in two to three years' time, there will be no foundation. There will be no centralized management of these grants. Instead, the validators, of which they'll, first there'll be a two dozen, then there'll be hundreds, then there'll be a thousands of validators, will then take over, vote, manage, and fund the, the continuation of the development protocol. I noticed on your guys' website that you it looks like you guys are roughly trying to raise $7 million U.S. dollars. Is that a correct number? So it's actually not tied to any USD price. So the couple of things that are different with this token sale. One, we view the token sale as a function to distribute the Rune token to achieve maximum public distribution so that no single entity has a controlling share of the protocol. Yes. Because the amount of Rune that you ha- have access to dictates how many values you can run, therefore how much you can control the direction of the protocol. So it needs maximum public distribution. Therefore, there is no private sale, no pre-sale, any of that nonsense. It's a continuous development-based public sale, accessible by anyone. 
But more importantly, they're actually split up over 10 sal tranches wait, over the wait, next wait, wait. 18 months. I got to back up. You said it's a continuous public sale. It's a continuous but capped public sale that has no start or end. Well, I had a start date, but there's no end date. Okay. But the 10 tranches are tied to 10 very discrete development milestones, which have already been cut up and planned out for the next two years. Yes. Because we know I, the yeah. team know exactly what they need to build. So as the development team ship the milestones, it should re one launch a DEX, launch a protocol, which should drive asset inflow to a protocol that's useful and valuable, mm-hmm. which then indirectly transfers that value back to the rune token, which if it is valuable enough to be higher than what's priced in the sales contracts, then the sale will continue. Mm-hmm. But if the development team do not ship the milestones, then very little value can be ascribed to the protocol and the sale will stop. So as a result, it is in the best interest for the developers to ship the code and build a valuable protocol. And it's actually not the other way around because for the last 18 months, we've seen many ICOs and token sales where they've driven the FOMO and the hype and the marketing, yep. no product, so that everyone FOMOs into a token, but nothing yep. was shipped. There's no, not a single line of code has been written. Yeah. So we're kind of reversing it and going, you know what? The development team will build first and you can observe their progress. And if you think what they're building has value, then be a participant. If you don't think it's value, then don't be a participant. What you really said was you're doing it the way a legit company should be doing it. (laughs) There should be incentives for incremental growth and incremental releases and incremental progress and with a sense of urgency because it ties together a sense of urgency as well correct as fast as developers can ship that code and build this protocol as fast as the sale needs to go and if the developers have shipped the entire protocol and the public think it is worth x amount then that is the value of the rune token and there is no artificial pricing imposed so how do you get paid man how are you how are you making money like how do you live how do you survive how are you eating food (laughs) (laughs) so as I referred to before, in my day job, I run uh, another blockchain project, a uh-huh. decentralized platform. And in the other half of my time, I'm one of the researchers for the thought chain and working on how we're going to solve these fundamental problems of missionless, trustless, incentivized uh, liquidity marketplace. Uh, but no, I don't get paid. I sit on the foundation as a volunteer. Um, I have bought myself into the public sale. So I am a ruined token holder. Mm-hmm. And that's my own interest, my own belief in where this protocol is going to be. Uh, but no, I'm I'm on the same terms as everyone, every single else, every other every other person. I want to talk about leadership for a moment. You're fired up. You're passionate. Who drives this forward? Is it you? Who rallies the community? Who pushes this thing forward? That is a strong advantage of having a leader. Satoshi was a leader of Bitcoin for the first two years. Um, we are observing Grin today. Grin have an anonymous leader, but he is not a quietly anonymous leader. He's out doing. Uh, he's out in the community. He's still anonymous. He like he appears in a, a conference by text-to-speech by SSH and Yin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty cool. But it, there does need to be early leadership until it's officially decentralized. So when Satoshi handed over to um, Gavin back in 2010, it was sufficiently decentralized, and the team around him carried it on because they saw the vision. They saw where the protocol was going. They saw what had been built so far. So that's all we need to get. And the current team around this protocol uh, is all party to this vision and we're all involved and we all want to build it and that is the leadership there's no single leader there's just a group who are passionate about building 
Um, there, are, there are people who are more charismatic than others, and that's their good qualities. Mm-hmm. And But fundamentally, a decentralized protocol must always be decentralized. Somebody out there right now is listening saying, it, hell yeah, I want to be a part of the Thor yeah. chain. I want to be a part of the network. <laughs> I want to be a part of the community. I don't know how to code. How can I participate? I don't have a technical background. I run a restaurant. How could I participate? How could they be a part of your guys' community? So it's a great question. So until the protocol is built to a usable state, then the ability to contribute is limited to promoting it, participating in the community, and, and sharing it and growing awareness. Once it is built and there is an exchange trading on top of ThorChain allowing permissionless unencumbered value transfer and incentivized liquidity, then use it. Stake your assets, be part of it, contribute liquidity. The key thing about this protocol is no person should do something for free. Therefore, every agent in ThorChain is being paid. The valets get the block rewards. The bridge owners get the exit fees. The traders and the arbitrage agents make on the, the trading. Liquidity stakers get paid liquidity fees. Every agent is economy incentivized so that the only agenda is that you should be profit-seeking. And that is why Bitcoin is so successful because we're inherently self-interested people. I only care about myself. You only care about Aaron, and as you should be. You need to eat. You need to sleep. You need to look after yourself. You should be self-interested, and that is okay to be self-interested. Bitcoin survives because it capitalizes on self-interest so that everyone is profit-seeking and driven out of their own self-interest, and that makes Bitcoin stronger to the point where we have 50 exahash of of hash power, which is just mind-boggling. And it is like built like a rocket ship. It's rock solid. And the more people try and push it and and earn off it and be self-interested, just the stronger it gets. In the same way, ThorChain is built on economic incentives. The more validators are pursuing block rewards, the more bridge nodes are party to bridges in order to generate liquidity and earn exit fees. The stronger, more trusted, more resilient this protocol becomes. One of the things I forgot to mention, ask earlier when we were talking about the token, the Rune token, is it a token or a currency? Yep. How do you how does the how do you guys envision it? The Rune does three very important things. One, it generates the security guarantees around the protocol, so that to be a malicious actor in Thorchain will cost you a lot of money. You can still be malicious, but expect to lose a lot of money, and that's fine mm-hmm. because we can we can measure that, we can observe that, and we can see when you're going to crack and steal assets because we can see your interests. Are there protocols in place uh, against the malicious? actors yeah so it has it has slashing rules so if an agent stakes token and it becomes malicious and starts double spending or signing on the same block height or trying to steal assets it gets slashed and the assets that are slashed off that validator that rogue validator, then get redistributed back into the ecosystem to make up for any loss or to reward those who found him uh, found them so it's a proof of stake protocol which generates security guarantees observable security guarantees around the pro- entire protocol security the second thing, it is the liquidity of the network. In continuous liquidity pools, every single asset on ThorChain, Bitcoin, Monero, ETH, and all the tokens, etc., etc., are always backed one-to-one with a corresponding amount of room. So if there were $10 million worth of Bitcoin, Monero, and ETH that are being brought over the bridges and are being staked in liquidity pools on ThorChain, there has to be $10 million worth of room on the other side in those mm-hmm. pools. So the rune becomes the liquid settlement currency. And the reason why is we want to create any asset to any asset exchange. Imagine shorting Bitcoin in Monero or lending out ETH based on BNB 
or liquidating from Litecoin directly into a Mesa Go token. You jump on Binance right now, and is there a Litecoin to a Mesa Go pair? Absolutely not, because mm. there's just no liquidity there. Right. So instead, in, in ThoughtChain, every single asset is only one atomic degree of freedom away from every single other asset via the Rune token in the center. If not, if there were 10 assets on ThoughtChain, there are actually 100 relationships, 10, 10 times 10. However, if every asset has a relationship to Rune, so a pairing to Rune, then there is only 10 different pairings via the Rune token. But every asset has a degree of freedom away from every single other asset. And that's coordinated through the Rune token. So we can vastly simplify the protocol, how it works, and vastly leverage the existing liquidity. And that's why we need the Rune token, to bind it all together. Thirdly, as I alluded to before, on-chain governance is very important. I disagree with anyone that thinks that on-chain governance should be coordinated out of band, i.e. across social media or any other nonsense. Mm-hmm. On-chain governance in a highly dynamic protocol that needs to stay up to date should be coordinated on the chain. And to participate in on-chain governance, you need to possess the token of that ecosystem to, to drive your economic alignment. Now, there are better ways to do this, like quadratic voting and using elements of liberal radicalism proposed by Vitalik and Glenn Whale, which is a, a fundamentally different way of thinking about how public goods should be funded. It's a really exciting, and we're definitely looking to researching around that. Hmm. But there are really good ways at preventing plutocracies, i.e., a large token holder influencing a vote and preventing civil attacks from people creating a thousand different accounts in order to cast a thousand votes in order to influence it. There are mathematically based ways to counteract those kind of edge cases for sure. And we should do that instead of trying to coordinate something out of band on social media and running polls and all that nonsense. In fact, I'm so passionate about this. I think the future government, the future country will reimagine itself as a digital economy and it will be coordinated by on-chain governance. And we will not have this four-year election or two-year election cycle where for two years you just gear up for one huge election where you elect someone else to then make decisions on your behalf for the next two years. It's absolutely nonsense. Instead, you should be voting every five minutes, a little, whatever you want. You can vote as much as you want. But these, this cycle of voting should be a continuous and ongoing and a daily thing. You should not do one vote every two years. You should be doing one vote every two hours. You should have access to a platform that shows you all the running polls in your area and you should sit there and vote as much as you want all day long. That is the future we should be imagining and creating because that will solve all the current problems we experience today with representative democracy, the imbalance of power, wealth disparities, poor decision-making, corrupt governments, et cetera, et cetera. As you can tell, I'm pretty passionate about this. And I want to try and build it. The blockchain space, there is no end to this rabbit hole. This industry that we're in today, and some people may have become disenfranchised with the bear market for the last nine months, and they may have been burned on from the ICOs, but this is the biggest game-changing opportunity you will ever have to create a much brighter and a much optimistic future. A couple of years ago, if you look forward and you think, oh, the world's getting... I'm more unfair, there's more tighter restrictions, there's more tax to pay, there's more people dying in terrorist attacks, there's more genocide, etc. Cetera, et cetera. If you think oh, the world doesn't look like a good place in five years' time, in 10 years' time, you should be really optimistic about the future ahead. 
the future head is going to remove any wealth disparities through liquidity hmm. and access to information. It's going to remove censorship and oppression. It's going to redefine what a digital community and a community of people should be. It will solve the tragedy of commons so that we can all have nice things and nobody will try and steal and you know, ruin it for us. The future is self-sovereign. It is fairer. It is actually, people tend to think that the, the future that the blockchain industry dream of is some kind of cryptopia anarchy where mm. there's no rules. There's just complete chaos. In fact, it is quite the opposite. And if you look at over histories for 2,000 years, we constantly seek to create society where there is order. But the problem is the way that we create the rules that our society should function by. It's gone from, say, religion to, to monarchy where we have kings and queens to we flirted with communism to represent democracy to now something that's more like direct democracy than yep. filing into a blockchain-based chain governance. We like to create rules, and r- creating rules is fine. We like to live in order. It's who gets to create those rules that is the problem today. Mm-hmm. So instead, we should all create those rules, and we should know that all the rules that we decide and recreate should be trustlessly abided, abound by, by everyone. And if you don't like the rules of your community, you can just very, very quickly take your identity, take your data, take your value, and shift places and go next door to the next community and find alignment with their rules and help create new rules. And that's the future that we can be part of. And it is very orderly, it is very fair, and it is very peaceful. I'm fired up, dude. You got me all fired up. <laughs> well, that's awesome. That's that's the future we can create. And we, all of you listeners should be in at least some way involved in the value creation and the expansion of this reality we have in our fingertips, this opportunity where we can level those wealth and information disparities. And everyone can be involved in the creation of the new rules because we like order. We like we like rules. We Those things are fine. Um, we should pay tax so that we can recycle value back into the public good. And that public good should fund public good things. And yeah, we should be part of that. Definitely, in, in every way possible. What do you guys want? What's the call to action from our community with ThorChain? If you think that value transfer should and can be unencumbered and with no oppression, then you should actively participate in the building of these new platforms and tools. There are a couple being built right now. You should be involved. So for the ThorChain side, the best way to be involved is be part of our community. Start listening to what we're doing and putting your hand up and say, yeah, actually, I can help. Awesome. Thanks, man. Appreciate you being on the show. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Yo, yo, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed the show, then check out the links on the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe to ICO 101 Podcast by going to the Crypto 101 podcast feed that is found on iTunes, SoundCloud, and CastBox. Leave a positive review. Please follow me on Twitter at SupAaronPaul. And don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter as well at ICO101Podcast. Until next time, peace.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.